Hello, Night Nation, and welcome to episode two of the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. How you doing, Tony? Doing great, man. Having my drink here, ready to get this podcast going. You know, here to represent for Night Nation. we got a really exciting podcast for you. We've got some really good interviews coming up. We certainly do. We have an, a very, very good episode coming up. Exciting that we're able to continue our conversation from last week about our amazing recruiting class. We've got two interviews for you. One, our freshman recruit, a best recruit we've had in recorded UCF history in Nakai Martinez, the corner out of Apopka. And we have another interview with the DB Kobe Perry out of Austin P, the graduate transfer. So really a good opportunity to give us both sides of the recruiting process from you know freshman to the transfer portal. We'll also dive in a little bit about some news that has come around UCF Nation since our last podcast. Quite a bit of of good news to talk about. We also want to dive into our spring primer where we give you all of the key dates coming up with spring football, as well as some key position battles and some players that we're particularly excited about going into next season. I want to go ahead and dive into to the news and notes, starting with... Our UCF QB recruit, Davin Widner, the freshman walk-on out of Cocoa Beach, just recently won the 4A Prep Player of the Year for the state of Florida. Pretty exciting considering, you know, we do have some other scholarship players, but you think he has a chance to get in the mix? I think it's really exciting for our QB room. Come on, man. To have a a walk-on that's a three-star QB that just won the Player of the Year in Florida 4A Prep, come on, this is awesome. I mean, this is not something that we've had in the past. We've never had a walk-in with this much accolades join our team. So I'm glad to have him. You know, this is the best QB room I've seen in a while at UCF. It definitely is. And his last season proved, you know, Dylan Gabriel going down. You can never have too many quarterbacks in that quarterback room. Once Gabriel went down, we saw Keene and Navarro and Gatewood all see time. It's not out of the question that Widner could end up being that next man up. So, Very good to see the strength of that QB room. Moving on, we did see a hire for the wide receiver coach opening in Gus Malzahn's staff. Uh, We did hire Grant Hurd, the wide receiver coach from Ole Miss. I think this could be a pretty good development here. Are you familiar with him? Well, he actually um, just came from the University of Indiana, but his claim to fame is Ole Miss's prime. I mean, come on. When Ole Miss was at their prime, this guy recruited A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and our beloved Trey Nixon. All three of these guys are in the NFL right now. So I feel like we upgraded at a wide receiver coach. None against Coach Wyatt. I personally love them. I thought um, he did a good job. But, you know, I think we did upgrade. And I'm looking forward to seeing who he recruits for UCF moving forward in the wide receiver room. Yeah, I know a lot of players were pretty uh, happy with Wyatt, close with Wyatt, recruited by Wyatt. So I'm sure... Uh, it wasn't the the greatest news to all of them that he might be moving on, but getting someone with the track record of someone like Grant Hurd can only help. Uh, we do have already have a pretty electric wide receiver room. Heard that? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that wide receiver room could definitely benefit from the experience. Uh, I can definitely say that. So it'll be interesting to see if they're you know how how those players develop spring summer going into next season. Yeah, just to keep adding to that. We got a lot of talent in our wide receiver room, so hopefully um, some of the alumni felt that Wyatt wasn't developing some of them. But I'm um, looking forward to see how he develops the other wide receivers that aren't necessarily Jalen Flash or ROK, Ryan O'Keefe. Those guys are obviously studs. 
you know, Kobe Hudson's going to be a stud. But I want to see what he does with the rest of our wide receivers. And that's really big news as we move into the Big 12, trying to develop some of these players uh, to really play on that Power 5 level. Speaking of the Power 5, there was a rumor this week about the negotiations and how they're going for UCF to join the Big 12 when it comes to the 2023 season. As of right now, they wouldn't leave the conference until the 2024 season. But as we as we know, typically these realignment conversations result in a one-season you know, then they're able to move on uh, with a negotiation of that exit fee. Just for anybody that isn't aware, last year there was a pretty big shakeup in college football when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC. It created a domino effect where the Big 12 saw fit to add Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU, which trickled down into Conference USA as six of their members decided to join the American and a couple joining the Sun Belt. Now, there's a whole bunch of litigation, but where UCF fits into this is now they have to negotiate with the American to figure out when and how they're going to move on to the Big 12. Typically, it's a $10 million exit fee when you give up to two years uh, notice, really two full seasons. UCF is negotiating to leave after one season, but they're saying that It'll, they'll pay an additional $35 million to leave. That's a, that's a pretty big number, don't you think? I do, man. I don't know what our Resco is smoking. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a high, high number. $35 million plus, come on, that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, we're going to compare UConn. But, uh, you know, from their perspective, I'll give them that. Come on, UConn doesn't compare to UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati. I mean, we're the top dogs. We are the AAC. So I could see why they're trying to milk us now. You know, cows down. Not trying to reference USF. They're they're still part of this uh, AAC moving forward. This, but anyway, with that being said, yeah, I don't know what this guy's smoking. Thirty-five million plus is cray cray, but I get it. He's trying to get the most out of our programs. You know, come on, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston. I was wondering where he was getting this number. I mean, you know, for reference, you referenced uh, UConn, and you know, a few years back, they they were able to negotiate their exit over to the Big East. And when they did that, they paid the ten million dollars, which is standard in the contract. But the American negotiated for only a seven million dollar addition to that, so they paid a total of seventeen. We're looking at thirty five million in addition to that ten for a total of forty five million dollars. A wide, wide discrepancy, which I think is pretty funny considering last year when we made this when we made the announcement that we were leaving, Oresco got asked about that power six status that he has constantly floated around about the American, and he said it shouldn't be affected. This seems to say otherwise. If you're asking each school, three schools that are leaving, to pay $35 million each above and beyond what they normally would, that says a lot about how you feel about their their value to your conference. I mean, yeah, actions speak louder. And this action says uh, we're pretty valuable. I guess I can't blame him. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about this Power 6 after we leave. Speaking of preparing for the Big 12, uh, you know, we have had a lot of conversation amongst the fan base about our uniform deal with Nike. We are uniform you and we are getting into a position where our Nike contract was up this week. It was announced that we are re-upping with Nike, but just on a two year deal. I know that a lot of fans are very passionate about our uniform choices. Uh, Do you have a preference either way with Nike or Adidas? Yeah. I mean, my personal preference is I love Nike. I'm a Nike guy, period. So, yeah, I love Nike. I love to stay with Nike. But I get it. You know, financially, if we get a better offer from whoever, you know, we got to do what's best for the football program. So I get that. I'm not going to, you know, not buy um, other merchandise. 
But personally, love Nike. Um, I know the recruits love Nike. Uh, they've done polls with the recruits, not just at UCF, just in general. And most of them say that Nike's their preference. So I think it does help us out with recruiting. Actually, I think uh, famous old Mackenzie Milton said that if UCF was in a Nike school, he would have not considered UCF. So just, you know, that just shows how important the brand is. I get it. I get it. Um, you know, I think it makes sense from a supply chain perspective, too. Mahajer mentioned in his interview about uh, the reason to take this deal. Right now, as anybody that's trying to buy literally anything knows, the supply chain is uh, a rough right now. After COVID right. and everything, trying to get product. Last year, we had to limit our helmet choices entirely because of supply chain and not being able to diff- get different color helmets throughout the year. So I, I understand why they would want to stick with something like this. Yeah, man. Right now, I work with some um, some contractors that I know, and they've told me that, you know, even lumber, you, it's hard to get lumber right now, just on a personal note. On a personal note, just as being a UCF fan, I love buying uh, snapback hats, just baseball cap hats, all types of hats. I like buying hats. Man, right now, I can't even find a good UCF hat right now. It's not even available. So I get it. It's a uh, supply issue is an issue right now. And I think, too, it makes a lot of sense to take such a short deal. You know, it's it's what I would call a bridge deal, not to take it away from football, but it reminds me a lot of some of the contracts that are signed in hockey. When you have a young player that hasn't quite reached their prime, you don't really know exactly what they'll be. It's really in the best interest of the team and the player to not go too long term. This is exactly that two year deal. By the time this deals up, we'll be in the Big 12. Um, you know, supply chain issues will hopefully be a little more solved. Our brand will hopefully be a little bit better than it is, and we'll be in a better negotiating position. So, you know, really extending this for two years makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's really smart. We're going to be at our most valuable when we're in the Big 12. And two years from now, we should be in the Big 12. So let let the bidding wars begin then. You know, right now we're not. We're in the AAC. So two years from now, we'll be in the Big 12, and let's see who the highest bidder is. I mean, hopefully it's Nike in my opinion, but hey, I'm okay if it's Adidas. I'm okay if it's Under Armour. I'm okay whoever it is. You know, whatever is best for the football program. And I trust Mohajer to make the best decision. I do too. I think he's done a really good job since he's been here making the right decisions, pushing the right buttons. Um, You know, and I think think with that in mind, it's been kind of hard for the fan base to hate the deal. Really, where the debate's been taking place on social media is about the removal of anthracite. Uh, that, that was a that was <laughs> that's, a, that's a current argument. I was gonna say uh, before we get into that, the Adidas and Nike has been the argument, and part of that's been because the Nebraska Adidas deal, the UM Adidas deal, and obviously the Arkansas State Adidas deal that Moses Hajer signed recently before coming to UCF. So people just assume there's gonna be Adidas, and Adidas is just gonna throw a boatload of money. But they didn't do it just now, obviously, because we just signed a two-year deal with Nike. So I don't think that we got the best offer right now from probably any program. But you're right. Right now, the current topic on Twitter, UCF Mafia, is? Anthracite. That's right. Do we like it? Do we not like it? I mean, personally, um, I, I I think anthracite's cool. I so do I. I didn't hate the uniforms. But I kind of agree. We're a black and gold school, right? Those are our colors. Going back to when, when you were... Yeah, you know, the big thing for me, I think, as I was coming up, uh, you know, starting to go to go to UCF games in high school and then, you know, going to UCF, one of the biggest frustrations I had with the uniforms is we didn't have a black option for the longest time. 
It was gold home uniforms, white away uniforms, no black accents in the uniforms themselves. And I'm like, we are black and gold. And we don't have black in those. The old Leary was the coach, and he was like, he ain't wearing no black. It's hot as ball for all his noon games. Well, Leary loved playing at noon. He won't wear no black at noon. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, well, look we, how things have changed since when Scott Frost came on. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do think it's funny. We, we've had a lot more night games since we've uh, transitioned a little bit more to black. But, you know, my excitement over the black uniforms, and we finally got one, uh, I don't hate the idea of just wearing black more often. I'm with you. I'm with you. We are black and gold. Absolutely. Well, moving on, uh, we can that, that'll do it for news and notes. So we can go ahead and jump right into our spring primer. Let's go. Love me some football. You know, I don't care if it's a springtime. But with that being said, let's talk about some UCF key dates moving forward. Spring camp starts March 14th for UCF, coming up real soon. And that spring game is going to be April 16th, Easter weekend. Make sure you make plans for that. It's going to be at noon, so you know it's going to be hot, hot, hot. But regardless, you know, we got to watch some football. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to see the progression of the players. Can't wait to see Gus Malzone's second spring game. Let's go, Knights. Charge on. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Definitely hot, but uh, hope to see all of you out there. But as we move into the spring, there's going to be some really key battles going on uh, during spring camp that's going to determine the direction of our 2022 football season. And we'll go ahead and dive into that here. Uh, the four main groups that we want to talk about, quarterback, wide receiver, D-line, and linebacker, we think that's going to be where the main battles are, are occurring here in the spring. I don't think any is, is as important as the quarterback battle taking place. I think none are as unsettled as that either. Uh, it's it's a little unclear as who's going to be starting. Uh, who do you have as a leader in the clubhouse? For the QB room? Yep. You know, <laughs> you know I'm just going to say, you know, I think Mikey Keene is going to keep his job. I think he's going to have a huge progression from freshman to sophomore year, a.k.a. McKenzie Milton, a.k.a. Dylan Gabriel. Both had progressions to their sophomore year. Even Blake Bortles was stronger from freshman to sophomore year. So there is that progression. Um, You know, even the famous McKenzie Milton, you know, he got booed at the end of his freshman year. And obviously the next year won it all and brought our national championship to UCF. So there's a lot of opportunity from a freshman to sophomore. And you got to look at it from the from Keen's perspective. He wasn't expecting to play last year, but next man up, he started to play. However, now he's got he knows he's the man. He's got the whole year, the whole offseason. You know, he's ready to go. He understands Gus system. I mean, he's got a cannon. He was undefeated in high school. You know, he won a state championship. He's he's legit. And Say what you want to say about our previous coach, but he knew how to recruit quarterbacks. So he he had an eye for that. I'll give him that. You know, I think that's a great point. Uh, You know, that that jump from freshman year to sophomore year can be huge. You you referenced Mackenzie Milton and Dylan Gabriel. Both had massive jumps from freshman year to their sophomore year. Gabriel, obviously, his sophomore year occurred uh, during a shortened COVID season. But he did see his uh, game-to-game average of uh, yards per game go up from 281 to 357 from a freshman to a sophomore. The really massive jump was Mackenzie Milton. I think we all remember 2016. Um, you know, him getting booed off the field at the bowl game. Uh, but then he comes back in 2017 and he has 
arguably the best season a UCF quarterback has ever had. Uh, he goes from 1,900 yards to over 4,000 yards. His average per attempt goes up from 5.9 yards per attempt to 10.2. And his touchdowns went from 10 to 37 uh, so obviously, if we see a jump like that from Keen, it really doesn't matter who else is in that QB room. We'll 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 see Keen there. I will say this though, the competition is going to be fierce. In addition to Keen, we have John Reese Plum Lee coming in from Ole Miss as the veteran transfer option, and we have Tommy Castellanos, the uh, freshman quarterback coming in, the hand-picked quarterback from Gus Malzahn. And really, I think the biggest aspect of this that is important to understand. You're absolutely right about our previous coach, Heupel, recruiting really well at the quarterback position. But one thing about it is he's recruiting to fit his system and his style. And Heupel comes from that air raid, Mike Leach coaching tree. He loves to air it out. He loves to throw those deep balls often. Um, you know, we noticed that with Dylan Gabriel. But it also led to a little bit of a weird fit with Dylan Gabriel, a very established quarterback who's used to some, to a certain way of offense. Gus Malzahn used to a different way. And really, that is about running that spread option. It's about having a running quarterback. And when you look at Keene, he just did not show the ability to run. And is Gus going to give him the opportunity when he has now two running quarterbacks that can, they can throw in this quarterback room? Me personally, I think Plumlee could end up taking the quarterback job. And the main reason, Plumlee had a very similar progression as Keen. He, in 2019, was thrown into action as a true freshman, played nine games for Ole Miss in the SEC. During that time, he had 910 yards passing with only three interceptions. But here's the key stat. He had 154 attempts for 1,023 yards and 12 touchdowns rushing. For a 6.6 yard average, when you're talking about a quarterback that is a dual threat, that is the definition right there of dual threat. And when you look at Malzahn pulling Keen off the field to put in a Joey Gatewood, to put in a Parker Navarro, and have them run that option, he's does he have to take anybody off the field if Plumlee's doing it? And I think that also lends itself to the wild card of Tommy Castellanos. I think he could be a really, really big, a really, really big wild card in this. He's a freshman, so it wouldn't be uncommon for him to take a red shirt. But if he proves that he can throw the ball just as well as these other two, he's electric. I mean, I'm pretty excited to see Tommy Castellanos. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, you said it. His Gus first pick recruit for his system. He's not a dual threat quarterback. So looking forward to seeing him passing wise 200. 2,613 yards, 14.8 yard average, 237 per game, 25 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. And rushing wise, 136 carries, 968 yards, 7.1 per carry, 88 yards per game, and 13 touchdowns. This kid is another definition of a dual threat. However, he doesn't have the experience as Plumley. So, you know, definitely, like I said, in my opinion, I think Mikey Keene has a whole offseason to keep the job. But Plumlee's right behind him, right on his tails, because you're right. He is the definition of a Gus Malzahn quarterback for a dual threat. Yeah, for sure. I think we're sitting in a position where this isn't going to be something that's solved in the spring. I don't. I just don't think there's enough time. I think all the guys are going to get reps. I think it's going to be a massive story as we move into the summer, and we're not really going to know until they walk out of that on that field for the opening day and – we really see who's who's starting. 
you know, speaking of uh, that competition, um, you know, and we're really looking to see who's going to do that. We need a replacement for Brandon Johnson in that wide receiver room. You know, he was an amazing pickup in the transfer portal last year. He led the team in receiving touchdowns and he turned out to be one of the best pickups that we had. Now he graduates. We've got to replace him. We have O'Keefe. We have Jay Flash, but we need that that third guy that can really step up. Who do you think is going to do it? If I had to bet my house on it, Sean, it's going to be Kobe Hudson. He was the number one wide receiver statistically from Auburn. And he went up against top DB SEC uh, defenders. And he would still be able to get those stats. I mean, he's not the fastest guy, but this guy knows how to catch the ball. He knows how to get open, and he knows how to beat his defenders. We're lucky to have him, just like Brandon Johnson was, Mr. Reliable. Kobe Hudson's going to be Mr. Reliable for us. So that's who I think is going to replace Brandon Johnson. However, you know, I got a wild card, Jalen Griffin. He was our Juco uh, transfer last year, and uh, I feel like he didn't get a shot for whatever reason, but I feel like he's going to – he learned the playbook. He's definitely motivated to make a, a make a name for himself this year. And he's six foot four, and he's fast. So we don't have a lengthy, uh, fast wide receiver that got playing time for the most part last year. So this guy is who I feel is going to be our tall wide receiver that's going to be able to jump over DBs. So that's my wild card. But like I said, if I had to bet money on it, it's going to be Kobe Hudson that's going to replace BJ. You know, talking about replacing Brandon Johnson, it's interesting some of the parallels uh, between him and Kobe Hudson. Obviously, Brandon Johnson coming from the University of Tennessee, another SEC team. He had that SEC experience. He comes into UCF, immediately builds a rapport with really everyone in our quarterback room and is able to have a huge season. Hopefully, Kobe can come in and do the same thing. I think I think you're spot on. I think Kobe's going to get every opportunity to come in and make some noise. Ultimately, though, I do think we might see a rotation at wide receiver. It's amazing how deep that position is. I mean, we haven't even talked about the five-star Jordan Johnson, that uh, the transfer from Notre Dame last year, who still has um, four years of eligibility, maybe three years. Um, but he ultimately, uh, you know, he, he wasn't able to get on the field last year. Uh, if he can have a big spring and a big summer, maybe he gets on the field. Uh, you know, the other one, when we're talking about it, you know, if Jay Flash and Ryan O'Keefe are sitting on the outside, there's going to be opportunities in the slot. And we just got an electric slot receiver uh, in the in our freshman class, Quan Lee. And I wonder if he is able to see some playing time in that offense. Um, I, I doubt he takes uh, playing time from Kobe Hudson or the other two big wide receivers we're talking about. But at the same time, would it really hurt to get him on the field in four wide receiver sets, put him in the slot and see what he can do? Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, we talked about that that new coach having an electric receiver room. It sounds like it's shaping up to be a, a, a pretty serious uh, wide receiver room. For sure. You, you didn't even mention Deontay Marks, the UF transfer, that's had some injury problems, but is very talented. He was very talented out of Deland High School. So looking forward to see what he can do in the spring. That's another one that I don't really know if it's going to be settled in the spring. And, and I think – Unlike quarterback, uh, there's going to be some rotations. I mean, you can do three, four, five wide receiver sets. Uh, you can rotate them throughout the game. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how those, how that snap count ultimately settles itself. Uh, you know, speaking of a position that sees a lot of rotation, uh, our next uh, position battle is going to be on the D line. You know, we lost a few guys on that D line, but hopefully, we're going to see some guys stand, you know, stand out in the spring and in the summer. I'm with you. We did lose a few guys, but those few guys are NFL talent. Uh, Big Cat Bryant, 
going to the NFL. Khalil Davis going to the NFL. Different positions on the D-line, defensive end and defensive tackle. I think at least on the defensive end, we have TMB, Morris Brash. He is a, he's a legit talent. He's been a legit talent since he came out of high school. We were lucky to have him. He was an Under Armour All-American, and he's been getting better and better every single year. And he didn't redshirt his freshman year. He played as a true freshman. This kid is very talented. I mean, just looking forward to him getting more playing time. I feel like he is going to be the number one option on the defensive end side. And I think KD McDaniel is going to play the previous big cat role in that. Um, can you, you remember that uh, position that T-Will has for that role? Uh, it's... Can't think of the name. The buck. Sorry, it's the buck position. So it's the they call it the buck, and that's a position they made for Big Cat Brian that T Will has in his defensive scheme. Uh, McDaniel's when he was recruited was told that he was going to be playing that position. So he's a hybrid linebacker defensive end. So I could see him and TMB replacing Big Cat uh, quality reception wise in the D line. But regarding the defensive tackle, I would have said it was. Uh, I would have said it was Cam Good, but, you know, as of now, it's still in limbo. He's in the transfer portal. So, I honestly think Lee Hunter could come in and make an impact on defensive tackle. He's been looking good, working out. He looks solid, man. He looks like a he looks like a grown, grown man amongst boys. I'm looking forward to seeing him play against the AAC. I mean, he's the type of player we don't normally see in the AAC, so I think he's going to dominate offensive linemen. So, that'd be my pick to replace Kalia Davis, Lee Hunter. Yeah, D-line is a position that we're going to need a lot of depth. Um, You know, typically the defensive line, you know, maybe more than some other positions, you see players rotate just because of the battles with the O-line and and how much uh, energy that can take up. So you do see those guys rotate out a lot. That's why even last year when we had Big Cat starting and we did have Cam Good, you still saw, you know, the Ricky Barbers playing a lot. You still saw the Traylon Morris Brashes uh, starting a lot because, you know, there needs to be a good rotation. So that two deep is going to be really important. To your point, Katie McDaniel, I think, is you know, coming in, hope, hoping to take that big cat role. Ricky Barber, his second year on the D-line is going to be important, but we're a little thin on experience, and so that could lend itself to a couple of uh, freshmen getting some opportunities. Keenis Thompson, you know, could be one that we see on the D-line sooner rather than later. Jamal Johnson as well. That's a great point. It'll be interesting to see how that how that D-line ultimately plays out. It's going to be important. That pass rush is going to be a huge, huge piece. We saw last year at the beginning of the year, the pass rush started slow. But when it really started humming and we were seeing Big Cat and Tremont Morris Brash and Cam Good, Ricky Barber all get home, get sacks towards the end of the year, it was a nightmare. Playing this defense, it really helped the pass defense. And, you know, a lot of those games were really low scoring because of that, that relentless pass rush. We're going to need that this year for sure. 100%. The last position that is really in flux is the linebacker position. We we lost some starters to the portal. Eric Gilliard, we lost him middle of last season, and we lost Tatum Bethune to Florida State this offseason. Tatum Bethune was our leading tackler last year, so that was a big hit that we that we saw. And then we had Bryson Armstrong, the FCS transfer, who came uh, last year, had an amazing season moving around different pieces of the of the of the defense, playing a little bit of safety, a little bit of linebacker. But ultimately, uh, he graduated. So unfortunately, he is not around this year. So we're really looking to replace those players. You know, we're very lucky to still have Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. I think he could be in for a huge season. Um, you know, he's going to probably be the, the the quarterback of that 
uh, of that linebacker room and of the defense as somebody who has a lot of experience. Uh, last year, he had 51 tackles, 22 of those solo with one sack, one forced fumble, and one interception. So he's the leader to take that, but just like anything, you need depth. But it'll be really interesting. You know, Travis Williams proved last year that he is willing to be unconventional to get his best players on the field. You know, a good example of that is Justin Hodges, who is a defensive back primarily during certain packages, moved into more of like a fast linebacker type role. You know, you don't always have two linebackers on the field at a time. You don't always have three linebackers on the field at a time. So we can kind of experiment with some of those uh, defensive backs. Kobe Perry's another one that I think will help. You know, I know he's primarily a defensive back, plays safety, plays corner, but he's extremely versatile and a proven hitter who maybe in some of those third and longs can come in and play play that linebacker position and, and get into the box. I don't know. What are your what are your impressions of the linebacker position? I mean, the linebacker that um, – it's a wild card, but I've always liked him since he came out of high school is Quade Mosher. You know, I just – he's he looks like a linebacker. And he, he was a tackling machine out in high school in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, I think Randy Shannon knows how to recruit. Some people might think otherwise. But I think he, re- he recruited this guy and he knew what he was getting out of him. So Quade Mosier is my wild card. He did get the most playing time out of the other linebackers after Eric Gilliard left. So he became that third, fourth linebacker on the team. And he's, he's a, I want to say he's a redshirt sophomore. Is that correct? So it's his time now. It's his time. I mean, the other guys are more uh, more experienced. We need a we need a younger linebacker to come in and give us good reps, good quality reps, and be part of defense. He had a whole year under T. Will. I wouldn't be surprised if Quade Moser makes a big step this year. So that's my wild card position when it comes to linebackers. He's a good one. You know, for me, the the biggest wild card, and we've talked about him. You know, it's we aren't sure if he's going to be healthy because he's coming off of that torn ACL. But Terrence Lewis. The transfer recruit, five-star out of Opelika, Florida. He was the number one ranked linebacker coming out of college in last year's recruiting cycle. He knows Gus Malzahn, knows Travis Williams. That's how he ended up here. He went to Maryland last year, tore his ACL, had to sit out the whole season. He's got four years of eligibility. He is your prototypical linebacker in today's game. If he can get healthy in the spring, Look out. I, I think there's some opportunity here for him to really come in and make noise if he can be healthy going into the season. So that's going to be a really, really big thing to look out for. If he can play well, I mean, he might be our linebacker of the future. I will say last episode I had mentioned that I wasn't sure about, you know, how healthy he was going to be. But from what I've seen on his uh, social media presence and what UCF's put out on him, He's looking pretty healthy. He's uh, looking pretty athletic. He's dancing. So it looks like his injury healed up. So we'll see how it uh, transforms uh, this spring season. But he looks healthier than I expected. With all the talent he has, he's a beast. Looking forward to seeing him play this spring. So now that we've moved past some some of these battles in the spring, some of these position group battles, give me a player that you think is going to take a huge jump from last year to this year. And a current player on the roster played last year, but you think this year he's really going to take his game to that next level. Adrian Medley, I think he's going to be playing. He's a player's offensive line on the guard, and he's been getting better and better every year. He got the most playing time of the offensive line as backup, and I feel like this is going to be his year to make a big impression. Just a little backstory on him. 
he was uh, committed to Texas A&M his whole high school pretty much. And then the week of, he uh, flipped to UCF. So he's a legit, legit SEC player out of the Panhandle, Pensacola area. Very talented in high school. I've always been keeping my eye on him, and I feel like, you know, with the offensive line, it takes a while to develop. And it takes, especially with our previous coach, it didn't really give a lot of the offensive line playing time. He kept pretty much the same rotation. Adrian Melody was one of the only players that was able to break into that rotation. So with a lot of players leaving, we do have a couple transfers coming in, so it might be challenging. But I do expect a big jump for him, at least from current players on the roster. Yeah, we'll really need that stability in the offensive line, you know, to to really make the offense work. It's a very running-oriented offense, and if we don't have a solid offensive line, it's going to be really hard to accomplish what we want to. So hoping that he does take that big jump. You know, mine, I, I think we've already talked about him. I think Tramon Morris-Brash is about to have a huge season. I think he is was just scratching the surface over the last few years, but his sacks have continued to go up. Last year he had five sacks. You know, I would say he really started to come on towards the end of the year. Um, anybody that watched that Louisville game towards the end of the year, he had an extremely athletic interception there at the end of that game that almost swung it in our favor. But he's just, uh, he's a huge defensive end who has speed. He has bend. He can play the run. He can play the pass. He's proven he can get to the quarterback really quickly. You know, for anybody that doesn't remember, he was an Under Armour All-American playing here at the Citrus Bowl going into the 2018 season right after we uh, right after we beat Auburn. And he announced that he was coming to UCF, best team in Florida, at, on the field at the Citrus Bowl. I'll never forget watching him do that. Um, that, was a, that was a big moment for me, uh, you know, as a UCF fan, uh, you know, watching somebody from the Under Armour All-American game, you know, actually committing to UCF. But personally, I think he's ready to really take that next step. Now, Tony, give me a freshman that you think could come in right away and make some noise. I mean, in my opinion, Nakai Martinez. You know, he was the highest rated recruit for us. Nakai is a leader. You know, he's a player with a lot of heart. In high school, he's a lockdown cornerback. I mean, you'll hear from him later in the podcast on the interview. But Nakai loves the challenge. He wants to play the best wide receiver on the opposing team. That was actually his coach's uh, defensive scheme. Uh, when we asked him where he's best on the field, he goes, well, it really didn't matter. Just put me against the best wide receiver. That's who he wanted to play. So I love this kid. You know, we're lucky to have him, I'll be honest with you. He could have went Notre Dame, South Carolina, but he chose to stay at UCF, played for the home team. It's all about relationships. Really, Gus is the one that brought him on board. I mean, I think he's NFL bound. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential, though. And, you know, and I'm obviously picking the best, highest-rated player, but, I mean, I really do think he – he has the best opportunity to play right away. I think that's obvious, right? I mean, he was a four-star recruit, highest-rated recruit since recruiting rankings have been put out uh, that UCF has gotten. So I think it's pretty natural to think that he might come in and immediately compete with who we have, and it'd be great to see him on the field. Now, I got one for you. Yeah, I was about to say, how about you, Sean? Colton Boomer. <laughs> I know he's not on scholarship. I know that he's a walk-on. But – He's getting on the field, okay? He is a, a proven kicker, a, a five-star kicker that is excited to be a Knight. Hometown boy, too, Lake Mary High School. But let's talk about our kicking situation from last year. I love Daniel Obarski, but he did not wow. have he did not have the greatest season, okay? He think about this. He he went eight of fourteen 
with a long of 40 yards last year. Dylan, er, Daniel Obarski, okay? Colton Boomer last year in high school went 7 of 10 with a long of 43, longer than Obarski has been able to complete in his career. And he also went 39 of 41 for extra points. He's accurate. He's got a booming leg. And now he's going to get into a college strength and conditioning situation with a college special teams coach. This is our kicker of the future. That's guaranteed. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to see him. And I think you saw Malzahn make decisions last year as he got close to the red zone where a normal coach uh, with a kicker that he could you know, really rely on is, is, yeah, a kicker that he can trust. He's going to, you know, maybe on that fourth and five, go for the kick. And we saw Malzahn be a little bit more aggressive in some of those, knowing that, I don't know, it's a little risky. Maybe Obarski's not going to make that kick. So I think we're going to see even a little bit of a shift in strategy having someone like Colton Boomer. So you want to talk about impact? I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Ready to watch Colton Boomer. Colton Boomer. Best kicking name ever. I'm excited, man. The spring is going to be an extremely exciting time. We're going to watch uh, our new UCF team for 2022 take shape. It's going to be really, really exciting. Now, with that, I want to transition us over to our interview with Kobe Perry. He was uh, gracious enough to spend some time with us, giving us a little bit of background on his experience in the past and his experience with the transfer portal. Let's go ahead and pass it on over to Kobe. Hey, Kobe, welcome to the Nightcap Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to speak with us today. Night Nation is very excited to learn more about you, as we will be seeing much more of you on the field this fall. Um, we're excited about the possibilities and, um, you know, excited to see you. So we can jump. Go, we can go ahead and jump right in. You transferred from Austin P. Uh, you had an amazing season there last year. Uh, what was that experience like at Austin P? It was a it was a great experience there. Um, I ended up getting my uh, degree in criminal justice during my time there, so that was a bonus. It's always been a uh, accomplishment for me. Like growing up, I always wanted to graduate college. I was the first person in my college to, in my family to do that, so that was a huge deal for me. And just on the field. Uh, I got a lot of success last year. My coaches put me in position to make a lot of plays. I thank them for that. So it was just a great deal all around. Felt like I grew as a man. So that was it was it was a great it was a great deal being there. You mentioned a couple things there, both about you know getting a degree as well as on the field. Uh, before we get to the on the field part, I did want to ask. Obviously, as a graduate transfer, getting your degree is that the path you're you're looking to uh, continue at UCF in criminal justice? Not really. I I took in. I'm getting my master's in education and communication because I want to be a football coach. So I've kind of. The staff here at UCF, they kind of set out a plan for me and something that would be great for me and my goals moving forward as far as wanting to be a coach and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a natural progression. Um, now, now, in terms of on the field, um, you know, Austin P being in the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, you had a great season. Um, you led the team in tackles, 85 tackles, eight tackles for loss as a defensive back. I mean, getting in the backfield like that is is a great accomplishment. 
it led to you being the defensive player of the year for the conference. Tell me a little bit about that, how how that came to be, and, and overall your feelings on that. I would just say this preparation is being in my coach's office all the time, you know, just studying the playbook. Just I like I always was a, with my defensive coordinator, he was my position coach. So I pretty much just just sat around him a lot, learned. He put he put me in a lot of position to make a lot of plays. He did a lot with me on the field as far as just like coming down, covering, like blitzing. Like I did a lot from that safety position. So that was the that was a huge part of my success on the field. So I'll I'll just say I'm thankful for that staff over there. They gave me the opportunity to show like what I could do with my abilities. So I wasn't just compromised with just doing one thing. It was like a variety of things I was doing. That's great, and you know I know you primarily played safety, but it sounds like you moved around a decent amount in, in the in the defense. Did you play multiple positions? Yes, sir. I kind of I played a position, a boundary linebacker position, early on in the season, and then I moved to the the nickel position in the field while I was covering a little bit more, and then towards the end of the year I moved to that boundary safety position. So I did a lot during my time there. That's a lot of versatility. That's that's a lot of different positions to play. Um, uh, that experience, uh, you know, number one is, is going to help you a lot coming to UCF, but even trying to get to that next level. Um, is there a position you prefer to play? While I'm here, I'm just trying to get – just trying to focus on safety and learning the defense and getting that – those two positions – those two safety positions down pat and just master those. And then if – if need be, if coach see that I can fit anywhere else, that'll make the team better. I'm looking to do that, whether that's the nickel position or anywhere else. But right now, I'm just focused on those two safety positions and just learning those two jobs right now. Definitely. Um, so moving past your your time at Austin P, obviously last year the season ended. You entered the transfer portal. That's a whirlwind, a whirlwind process. You made the decision to come to UCF at the end of December. Tell me a little bit about that recruiting process. I imagine there was quite a few schools reaching out to you. Some you might have uh, thought were in your mind. Tell me what that process was like entering the transfer portal between then and actually picking UCF. Entering the transfer portal, it was it was a bit exciting the first two days, like having so many coaches reach out to me again. I felt like I did when I came out of junior college. So it was it was amazing the first two days and then I kinda started getting tired of it. <laughs> like just going through the process of just talking to coaches all day and stuff like that. But it's a blessing. I got a lot of big time opportunities. While I was in the portal, I got a chance. I got offered by Jackson State. I got a chance to talk and catch up with Deion Sanders on FaceTime. This was a pretty cool deal. What's he um, like? He's you know what he's like? Yeah. Uh, he's kind of what you see on TV. <laughs> kind of his attitude and how he is. Kind of just how he is. Yeah. He, he reminds me a lot of myself, how he talks and stuff like that. He's a great guy. But you can tell, like, he's about his business, like, kind of what you see on TV. So that was a great, great, that was, like, one of the highlight marks of my recruitment process this time around, just getting a chance to meet him and 
him believing my challenge to offer me a scholarship to come there to Jackson State. And then I ended up, my, some of my top schools that I was looking at was Virginia, Texas, here, and probably Jackson State. Mm-hmm. And, and coming here, like, it was kind of like a no-brainer. Coach uh, Addison Williams, who was on staff here, we've had a relationship since I was in high school. And Coach Monroe, he was with me at Troy. And they played a huge part of, like, my decision coming here. Mm-hmm. So, just hit the ground rolling. Like, I know those those two guys got my best interest. So, once they extended the offer and just stay in, like, contact with them, and they laid out with plan they have for me and me getting to the next level, I, I chose to come here to the University of Central Florida. And also, Tay Godwin, who played here, like, two years ago, who was in the NFL with the Eagles, mm-hmm. he uh, played here. He's from my city. So he was kind of on my back hard about coming here and telling me about the place. So between those three, it was just like UCF, the place I want to go. You know, you raise a good point. Uh, on our previous episode, we talked about, you know, especially in the transfer portal, how fast things move, how important relationships are, you know, prior relationships or even now building current relationships are to finding the right fit. Sounds like, you know, previous relationships you had with Addison and, and Tay had an influence on your decision. Um, can you speak on that, the relationships that you've built over time and, and how they, that's led you to this point? What did you say there at the end? How some of the relationships you've been able to build over time have led you to this point? I would just say, like, relationships. Like, when I was when I was younger, you always hear people talk about it's all about who you know and what you know and stuff like that. And I was just, like, as I got older, I realized, like, relationships, like, they mean a lot and they last forever. Like, you never forget, like, good people and people you come in contact with. So I'll just say that to anybody. Like, build relationships with people because you know, know what it could mean down the line or whatever, like, Coach Addison, he recruited me in high school, and I'm I graduated high school in 2017, and he was at Tuscaloosa when I was talking to him then, and here we are now, five years later, he's at UCF, and he's my position coach. So it's just like over time, relationships just—I mean, they mean a lot. For sure. Tell me a little about your relationship with Tay Gowan. Oh, me and Tay, we from the same city. I've known him for since high school or a little bit before high school. We got a real good relationship. We talk all the time. Like, our relationship is real good. Like, he's family to me. I'm sure he had a lot to say uh, about coming to UCF. We, we loved watching him here in Orlando. Um, you know, I imagine in, in terms of just those relationships, they're important. In an interview you did with Brandon Helwig at Rivals, um, one of the things you mentioned was how hectic that time was that you weren't really able to get a ton of official visits. If I remember reading it correctly, it sounded like you didn't uh, have the opportunity to take an official visit to UCF before committing. Um, you know, Do you think those relationships played a part in allowing you to make that decision without seeing the campus? Yes, most definitely. Like, just not being able to get somewhere. You always want to go see a place before you get there. No, you never want to just sightsee, but with Coach Addison and Tay Godwin and the internet these days, it's like 
like I, I did a, I watched I looked at a lot of stuff on YouTube and the internet about this place before I got here along with what Tay told me like Tay like he's from my city like we like brothers so he had no reason to lie to me he shot me straight about this place it was just like a no brainer like this, this it's a great place it's Orlando I'm loving it so far that's awesome. It's great to hear. Obviously, we're all biased, um, you know, being UCF alumni, uh, you know, we have a soft spot for UCF. Uh, but we're always intrigued by what, um, you know, others who aren't from the area think of UCF. Prior to the recruiting process, um, you know, prior to your decision to come to UCF, what were some of your impressions of UCF? Uh, probably that, that year with the championship with Shaquem Griffin and all them, like, that's when I really looked at UCF a lot. That season they had when they was undefeated and stuff like that. So I always thought, like, UCF was just a big-time school. Great place. Like, when around the time Tay came here, I wanted to come here. I was like, man, UCF, like, that's the place. Like, you know, that's the those were the years UCF was on a come-up in college football. Absolutely. I think, you know, uh, we've definitely had a very successful few years here and uh, we're hoping to to watch that continue. Um, You know, Gus has done a great job and we're excited for the talent, including yourself, that he's been able to bring here. Uh, I'm so very, very excited about that. Um, You know, I know obviously transferring, you were finishing up semester at Austin P. You graduated, then you started the spring semester um, here at UCF. How has that been going? How has been acclimating the classes? I assume you've started workouts. Tell me a little about that. Um, it's been it's been great. Like a bit of a surprise was kind of the screen staff and the nutrition side of things. Because me not taking no official views, I never got a chance to meet the screen staff or nutrition or anything like that. So that's been the one of the key components that I brag about a lot. Cause since I've been here, I've put on like 12 pounds. My body looks different. I feel good. So that was just like been one of the biggest surprises and things that I've liked since I've been here a lot. And secondly, it'll probably be the guys. The guys on the team open me with open arms. Great guys to be around. I love their energy and the way guys work on the field. Kind of the same thing I'm looking for for my last season. I'm trying to win a lot of games, win a championship. So just seeing these guys work hard and be about their business, it's been a huge like just, just, just exciting. Like some, some, sometimes you you go places where you see guys like not care as far as like you know freshmen and stuff like that. Sophomores they don't go as hard as the seniors might. But since I've been here, the the early enrollees, the sophomore guys, like they're they're working just like the seniors. So that's been a big deal. For sure. Uh, you know, I can imagine, um, you know, anytime, you, you know, you're coming into a new environment, you, you hope to, to you know, acclimate quickly and, and feel that, that sense of camaraderie. Sounds like you're really feeling that. And I imagine workouts are ramping up as you're getting towards spring. Um, are, are you guys in the team getting pretty excited, uh, ramping up? I believe spring starts a week from Monday, right? Yes, sir. We are ramping up the last day of training tomorrow. And then go on spring break and come back and hit the ground rolling. I'm sure that's extremely exciting, you know, getting ready to get back on the fields. I'm sure, you know, that's something you love doing. And, um, you know, uh, it'll be good getting on the field in, in those uh, UCF colors. Most definitely. So 
Talking about the on the field fit, um, you know, you're coming in as a defensive back, primarily as a safety, but with a lot of experience in a lot of different ways with versatility um, in a couple of different position uh, groups. Um, how do you feel your style fits the UCF defense? You said, "How does my style fit the defense?" Yes. I mean the way the way defenses are played, kind of around the country. A lot of schools are doing pretty much the same thing. So pretty much like a lot of stuff we did at Austin P is kind of the same thing we doing here. Just a few tweaks to it and different terminology, but it's kind of like just it's football and it's pretty much like everybody's doing the same thing. So it's not like. I'm about to be doing something that's just totally different from what I was used to doing. So mm-hmm. I feel like my abilities and the stuff I do are fitting well with the things that Coach, Coach Williams and the rest of the staff plan on doing here. You know, one of the things that keeps popping up um, across various platforms evaluating your game is, is toughness. Um, your willingness to really get up to the line and, and get your nose dirty uh, you know, obviously that's reflected in your ability to lead Austin P and tackles last season. Um, tell me a little about that toughness mindset and, and where that might come from and how you feel about it. I feel like that's one of the, one of the key marks to my game, just how tough I am, how physical I am. I just always been like that since a young kid, just growing up in my environment, like just had to be tough. So to carry it on to the football field and just, I don't know. I don't know how to really explain it. Like, I'm just tough. Like, I ran through a brick wall. Like, I don't like soft stuff at all. That just, like, some people tell me I'm too tough on people, but that's just how I am. Like, the physical, like, I'm just, like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just tough and just physical. Like, I just like, far been on the field, I love contact. Like, I love hitting all of that. It's just part of my game. That I know stand out to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the fans here and the coaches here will love that part of my game. Absolutely, uh, you know I think that's that that has a chance to make you uh, you know one of the fan favorites. Obviously, you know love love toughness, love hitting. Um, you know I think I think you'll fit in great here. Um, you know one of the questions I do have about your game is, you know, is there anybody you model your game after, you know, is there maybe a player or two that you really try to model your game, watch their film and, and, and see if you can emulate? Probably. I was just having this conversation with my coach today about like, just what player I, I got it. He was just telling me like there, as a player, you always want to model your game after somebody, but the, Person probably closest, I would probably say like Sean Taylor. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's a guy that if I play, I want him on side because I know he's on the same thing I'm on. Like he's trying to kill people, he's trying to take the ball back, and he's gonna play tenacious, fearless. Like so, that's a guy that I would say I model my game after, and somebody I kind of look at. He's a great one. He's a great one to follow for sure. Sean Taylor, one of the one of the greatest ever. Um, so, you know, getting off the field a little bit, um, you know, getting into maybe a, a, a few more fun fun kind of questions here. Uh, you know, first, um, you know, have you uh, had a chance to really interact with with UCF's you know 
UCF Twitter mafia, UCF's uh, social media presence. Uh, you know, we hear a lot about the influence that that kind of has. Um, you know, obviously players feel it a lot. Have you had a chance to really interact on social media with some of the fans? Yes, I have. And I would like to say this to the UCF and Mike Nation, like, you guys are the best. Like, I love the social media and the people here, like, I love them. Like, I, I truly want those fans and the people, alumni, I want them to know, like, I literally love those people. Like, they're always under my post, being supportive, being positive. Like, if, if I was were to have a recruit standing next to me, I would tell them, like, those people at UCF, like, they are great. Those fans, Knight Nation, like, once you're, once you're a Knight, you're a Knight. Like, they're all in with you. Those people are great. And I wish I could call and tell each and every one of them that. Love to hear that. Absolutely. We are very passionate about our nights. And, um, you know, sure. definitely once you're once you're in, you're in, um, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, obviously this is you've moved down to Orlando. Um, you know, what are your first impressions of the city? What are some of the things you like to do? Uh, I haven't really got out and done much because I've been kind of trying to get situated still and get used to how things are going around here far as football and stuff like that so I'm still getting kind of acclimated but I'm pretty familiar with Orlando I took a trip out here before for my family so I know there's a lot of things out here and a lot of things in close areas that that are fun to do so I'm pretty sure like I'm gonna start getting a little more you know active to things around here I gotta ask, you know, uh, it's it's definitely the most um, popular thing here in Orlando, especially around the country. Uh, have you been to Disney? No, I have not been to Disney yet. Yep, that's that's got to be on the list. The things you uh, you do maybe during some downtime uh, between now and the season, find your way over there. It's uh, you know, I'm sure as you can imagine, it's it's the 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 thing that Orlando seems to be known for the best. All right, I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna do that now that you just said. I'm definitely gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Yep, theme parks are a calling card to to say the least. But um, you know, we're hoping UCF, uh, the hometown team here, can make just as much noise as those theme parks can. Yes, sir. Um, well, that that'll about wrap it up uh, for what I have here, Kobe. I really appreciate you taking the time um, to to speak with me today. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add uh, before we? Before we uh, finish this up, um, just thank you to Night Nation, just opening me here with open arms. People like the staff, the trainers, and everybody that makes up UCF University of Central Florida. Just as a whole body, just thank you for opening the kid from Covington, Georgia. Like I've been through a lot of my life. I have two younger daughters back home. I just want to say I'm thankful and grateful for this opportunity. Just want to thank God and just just want to say I'm thankful. Well, thank you, Kobe. It's great to have you here as a knight. We're very excited to watch you on the field and uh, have a big season this year. So thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anytime. And that was Kobe Perry, the transfer defensive back uh, from Austin P. transferring into UCF, already enrolled. Uh, really great to hear from him. Yeah, we got another one. We got – a high school recruit from Gus Malzon's first recruiting class for UCF, Nikai Martinez. Hey, Nikai, welcome to the Nightcap Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How about you? 
Doing great, doing great. Thanks again for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, we're very excited to hear from you. You know, we definitely had the opportunity to, you know, speak with other transfers and now, you know, getting the chance to speak with somebody that, you know, is a new freshman coming to UCF is, uh, you know, exciting to hear, hear your journey. You know, I guess really right off the bat, you were a relatively early commit uh, for Gus Malzahn coming into, you know, his first season. You committed on July 9th. Tell me a little bit about your recruiting process and, and ultimately what led you to UCF. Uh, my recruiting process, it was pretty smooth for the most part. Um, Coach Gus, as people, some people know, Coach Gus was recruiting me since a freshman so at Auburn, so I already kind of had that connection with him from freshman year to all the way to now. So just having that bond to, with him was just an easier decision to make it to come to UCF. When he first, when I, I first got the news that he was coming to UCF, he was, I was the first person he called. So with that being like, with him taking the time out of his day, I know he was busy. To call me first, I felt like I, I was a priority. So I felt like I needed to be out of school where I was the main priority. And it was close to home, so it was all—it was basically like a dream come true. No, that's awesome, man. You had a tough choice, though. You had Notre Dame, South Carolina, and you had a, obviously a lot of schools, but it seemed like those were your top three: South Carolina, Notre Dame, and UCF. Um, was that a tough choice, though? Even I know, even though everything you said about Gus, was that still a tough choice? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty tough choice. But when I got campuses and started actually getting the feel for it, it kind of made everything easier. No, it's awesome. And then um, I just wanted to, you know, talk about your senior season um, with regarding your injury. Did you want to jump in? Yeah, there? for sure. So you, uh, I know you tore your meniscus. I know you're thinking, you know, you're coming into your senior season. You're committed uh, to the college of your choice. Uh, you're just ready to have a, a big senior season, lead your team in, deep into the playoffs. You tear your meniscus. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about how you felt and, and ultimately um, how, how that process was for you. Uh, I felt I was really sad and down on myself for the most part. Um, I first I got the phone call that when I was it was actually on game day when we were about to play with West Orange. Earlier that day, my my um, athletic trainer she was saying that I should be okay to play in the game, so I was excited and I was ready because we were kind of hesitant to see. But then later that day, I was in, I was in class and my mom called me and she was like. I need you to go by yourself real quick. And then she told me the news, and I just, like, broke down. I had to tell my coach, and I just left school for a little minute, little minute until after school where it was time for everybody to come back together as a team. And I let the team know what was going on. But it was sad for the most part. I can imagine. What was the initial prognosis? Like, how long did they think you were you were going to be out? Uh, three, they said it was... I was supposed to be out for three to five months. That was the original timing. Mm-hmm. But when I started my rehab, I was I started rehab like right away. I got my surgery the next, the following week after I got my news, and then I started rehab like whenever I was able to walk. I went Monday through Friday. My um, athletic trainer gave me some things to do on the weekend, so I was basically doing going every day with rehab. So when they seen how stronger and how quick my rehab was going, they were basically like, oh, if you come, you could come on November 5th. And that was our scene, like, and that was my birthday. So I was like, oh, Lord, like, it's a, a miracle right here. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, that's what I'm shooting for, nothing less. 
that's what's up, man. That's kind of like meant to be, right? When you heard that news, like, oh, I want to accomplish this for my birthday. Kind of like a birthday gift to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. And I want to say, like, you could have, you know, you could have just, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? You could have just held back. You know, you already had, right. uh, you already had the scholarship to UCF. You didn't have to come back. But you chose to come back to compete with your team and help them win the championship. I know you didn't win it, but you definitely helped them. Uh, I know when I saw the game, you had an interception from the other team. That they were going to score a touchdown, and you had that interception to save that touchdown. So I know the team yeah. definitely benefited right. from you. But, yeah, that's a lot of heart from you, man, to come back. Because you could have you just, you know, held out. Yeah, I could have. It, it was more on for my team, basically my city, Apopka. It was more on we had so big, high expectations coming into the season. Everybody was rolling. Everything was going good. And then when I got hurt, everybody, like, doubted each other and doubted Apopka. So my whole thing with my offseason was trying to get everybody confident back up. Like, I'm not – yeah, I'm a part of the team, but I'm not the team. So everybody uh, – I was just basically saying, like, you could do it on me. So when I came back, I just tried to keep that same energy in for sure man when i saw you on the field when you were during the injury you looked like another coach on the field you know you were coaching your the team up so that was really sure. impressive you know you like again you you were you were fully focused you were you were bought in even though you were injured you know and i yeah, think buddy. i think that definitely speaks to you know the overall just leadership qualities that that you showed especially throughout your senior season um you know do you think that, that that is one of your stronger traits, being a leader? And, and if so, you know, what what's some of your leadership styles? I think actually me getting injured actually brought out that leadership side of me. Usually when I was on being a leader, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a play. That was how I showed my leadership. I wasn't really a talker like that. I was like, all right, I'm going to make a play. Now who's going to make a play next? Being, being hurt, was like, I can't make a play, so now I have to teach and basically be that extra coach so it actually helped me become more of a vocal leader when I was hurt. For sure. Do you think being off the field during that time gave you a, just a different view of the game? Oh yeah, for sure. Basically, it showed me a lot like it could be taken away quick. Like, but basically, I, like, I just can't take anything for granted. But when I say I got, when I got hurt, it was basically more of a, I say it was a blessing too because I was able to get stronger, faster. I was able to get my body a rest. Because, you know, if a lot of people don't know, but I'm like 24-7 with it. Like, I don't have any days off. So my mom was like, this is your day off. Like, these are your days off. Rehab, I was doing rehab and stuff, but just not being able to get, like, physical with other things. Like, my body felt so much better when I came back. Like, I felt re-energized. Like, I haven't did anything for so long. I just felt like a brand new football player. I felt like I got better. No, that's that's awesome. Just wanted to ask you about your school. Um, so you graduated early. So you, you also focus on that. So mm -hmm. with your GPA and the how was your GPA when you finished? Uh, I knew school. I think I had RAs. I had RAs four point when I left school. Wow, that's really impressive. You know, a leader. That, yeah, no, really, really impressive. And so you mentioned, you know, uh, coming back to Apopka, obviously the, the bond you have with, with the school as well as the area, um, you know, there's, you know, UCF is obviously leaning a lot into that UCF hometown team and really trying to keep people at home. 
you know, there's a lot of talented guys uh, at Apopka. Do you think maybe you coming to UCF might have started that that pipeline? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I think I kind of started the way for not just Apopka, but like Central Florida in general. Just for people seeing that, like all the big offers that I had, just taking that chance to stay home, it kind of I think it kind of opened people's eyes to like it doesn't really matter where you go as long as you as long as you ball out and do what you got to do on and off the field. They're gonna find you. So I think it opened a lot of people's eyes up. So how do you feel about Kevin Call committing? I felt I was a I was excited. Just because Kaylin's like that, another big recruit that has a whole bunch of bigger offers. So him taking that chance in the next class, that 2023 class, I feel like it opened more eyes just to be like, okay, UCF got something going on that's going good. No, 100%. Um, just like Bryce Harston, I know he's he's got some other scholarship offers, but he's he's looking at UCF as a serious contender if he gets the opportunity. So um, you know, you mentioned obviously from a, an academic standpoint, you uh, you know you had an, an amazing GPA, and you know I think some of that schoolwork allowed you to graduate early and enroll in the spring. Um, you know, so have you officially moved into uh, to campus at UCF? Uh, yes, sir. I moved in January. I've been here for uh, about two months now. That's awesome. And how how has that been? The acclimating to. Uh, you know, obviously to college as well as, uh, you know, meeting the team and, you know, handling all that? Uh, it's been good. I I really already had, like, big connections with some of the players on the team, so it wasn't really, like, different. It wasn't, like, shyness when I first got here. I was basically like, all right, these are my brothers. So that and then working out, becoming roommates with Tommy Castellanos, we was kind of, we were kind of already in contact before, like, for a little minute, so it wasn't, we didn't get a weird vibe when we first got together. Just adjusting the colors, I think it was, it's a good, it's good for me, a good feeling, just to be able to learn how to be on my own and do stuff on my own and not have to rely on anybody else. For sure, and uh, you know, so you mentioned your your roommate is, uh, you know, Tommy Castellanos, both of you being some of the earlier commits in, uh, you know, Gus's tenure here. What's he like as a roommate? I Cool, very cool. We're kind of similar. We both family people love football and just we got a, we got a good vibe going on. That's like one of my brothers already that I consider one of my brothers just from this short period of time that we've been together. So I think we, in the long run we'll be even closer. For sure. And so, you know, starting now, obviously you've been in classes, you are, you're starting working out uh, with the team. Um, you know, spring is right around the corner. Uh, do you feel like just from the time you started at UCF till now, do you feel like uh, the strength and conditioning program is just, uh, you know, different from what you had in high school? Do you think that's affecting um, you personally as you're kind of going through it? Oh, for sure. I feel like I got bigger and stronger. I got stronger and faster since I've been up here. I wouldn't say, I feel, I feel like Apopka actually gave me that, how would I say it, heads up to college because it's kind of similar like Apopka if you ever been to Apopka we're big on weight room and getting stronger and faster and putting in that that work in the weight room so translating to college it was basically like the same feeling that I got it was just just in college it's like a little bit more it's just like okay this is that next step so it wasn't really a, a different type of workouts for me 
No, that's awesome. How do you see yourself fitting into the defense? Uh, I see myself fitting in well. Um, Coach um, Gibbs and Addison have me running all positions. Basically, they want me to learn the corners and, and night position first and then get fit in with the safeties. They do, They really want me to learn everything so I can get on the field easy, um, quicker. That's very interesting. You know, I think, you know, UCF, especially, um, you know, the first season under Travis Williams, it, it seemed like a lot of the players were very versatile. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to move, uh, especially the secondary around, move people from inside, outside corner to, to safety. Did you do much of that when you were at Apopka? Um, a little bit, not really. Usually when I, when I was at Apopka, just whoever their best receiver was, that's who I went to go go against. So I was following a lot. Well, one thing you did at Apopka is return uh, kicks for touchdowns. Would you like yes. to do that in uh, the next level? Uh, yeah, I mean, if that was an opportunity, I for sure would take that. Whatever, any opportunity to be on the field, I, no doubt, I'm doing. You, you know, you said something interesting. You you mentioned that. When you were at Apopka, you know, pretty much uh, you would line up with the other team's best receiver, try to lock them down. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of, you know, competitive uh, nature there. Is that uh, is that what gets you going? Is that something you, you hope to see at the next level as well, ultimately being that lockdown corner? Oh, for sure. It, it kept me on my P's and Q's. It was like, okay, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, they're going to go to their best player. So if you want their best player, that means you're going to get action. That means you're going to have an opportunity to show what you can do and make a play. So I'm looking forward to doing that at the college level. I know I got to make my way up and prove myself, but I think I'm going to get the job done. So, you know, there was an interview uh, you did in May of 2020 where you were discussing some of the players you emulated. Uh, would you mind talking about that, some of the players that you, you really look up to, you watch their film and try to model your game after? NFL, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, NFL, I'd probably say I watch Jair Alexander, Denzel Ward, and Jalen Ramsey the most. Mostly Denzel Ward and um, Jair Alexander just because of we're the same size and height and we kind of move the same. So basically the, the technique they can use I could put into my game. And then just that dog mentality Jalen Ramsey got, has, that's what I try to from his his game. So um, I know uh, currently our rival with UCF is USF. That is probably going to be maybe the last year currently coming up. Are you excited to be part of that rivalry at least for one more year? Oh, yes, sir. Especially with um, Tim McLean and... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the Seminole boys over there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So do you know them pretty well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet. I've been on Timmy since fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. And Jimmy, we played, I, I played um, football with Timmy's little brother, and then I played, bas- I played AAU basketball with Jimmy Horn, so I got a pretty good connection with those boys. Uh, speaking about connections, uh, Caven, Colin, Bryce, and Harson, you, you've known them, what, like, since second grade? Oh, yeah, Bryce Harson, that's my cousin, actually. But, okay. Uh, that's like one of my closest cousins. And Kevin, yeah, I've been on Kevin since literally like elementary. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up, man. So I'm glad. Uh, hopefully both of them will come on. 
we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm on the line now. You know, one of the things we, we definitely want to talk about, um, you know, is is obviously UCF and their fans are, are definitely well known for their social media presence and their passion. Have you had the opportunity to interact with the UCF fan base on social media? Oh, yeah, for sure. UCF, like, fan base is, like, crazy. Like, I, I've never, like, any – when I was being recruited, there was no other school that was, like, on it, like, UCF. Like when I say under every post, commenting just and not even does anything bad, like encouraging, like it's like okay, like I chose the right school for me. This is where I need the motivation that they give me. Like usually, like at least every week, I get somebody in my DMs like, "I'm so glad you came to UCF. I can't wait to see you play." It just makes me feel special and wanting. That's awesome to hear, man. You know, once you're a knight, you're a knight, and uh, you know, definitely happy to have you here at UCF. Uh, you know, one more question we got to ask. Uh, you know, you're from Orlando. Orlando is extremely famous for their theme parks. Uh, are you a theme park guy? And if so, wh- which ones do you like? Uh, I was. My favorite was uh, Wet and Wild before they closed that down. <laughs> Wet and Wild. Wow. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> but when I was going up, I, I don't go at you at often now because when I was going up, I went to everyone at least a hundred times Bush Garden Universal Disney SeaWorld I don't want I don't to everyone you said you used to be are you uh you kind of taking a back seat on the uh the theme parks lately yeah he's focused on it's, football I, I just, that's his focus <laughs> football <laughs> he don't got time for theme parks <laughs> it's, like, it's nothing new to me <laughs> yeah I get it born, born here uh, you know living here spending time here yeah they can kind of uh, you know, they can kind of go out of style a little bit, but, uh, but Hey, that's awesome. Um, you know, really appreciate the time. Do you have, uh, anything you wanted to add before we let them go? No, nah, man, we're just really looking forward uh, me and Sean and all night nation for you to play. We're really happy. You did pick UCF. And just like Sean said, you're a night and you're a night for life. Thank you. Have a good night. Uh, Nikai. Hi. Appreciate it. And that was it from Nikai Martinez. Uh, really appreciate him taking the time as well as Kobe Perry, uh, you know, it was really interesting hearing the perspective from both Kobe and Nakai, uh, you know, both having very different experiences coming here, uh, navigating the transfer portal for Kobe, trying to navigate his senior season um, at Apopka for Nakai. But ultimately, both are UCF Knights moving forward, and we're very excited to see what they do this season. Hopefully, both are going to be very, very integral parts of our secondary as we look towards uh, hopefully an American championship this year. Well, with that, uh, we will go ahead and close out our second episode of the Nightcap Podcast with a toast. Yeah, this week's Nightcap Toast is to Chrissy Malzahn. I mean, I think we speak for all Night Nation that we're happy and grateful to see her IG post of her recovery. You know, we definitely were in, she was in our prayers and we're happy for her. Absolutely. It's been great seeing both her and Gus uh, a little bit more active in the community. I know that was a really scary situation for them. So all the best to them and uh, excited to continue to see them uh, around UCF. Well, thank you very much, Night Nation, for uh, for taking the time and for supporting uh, the Nightcap podcast. Where can they find us on social media, Tony? Night Nation, please give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at UCF Nightcap. And you can look for us on our Facebook group under UCF Nightcap. Also, just want to give a shout out to our producer, Scott, UCF alum, part of the Nightcap team. And all you supporters that support us, please go ahead and give us a review, five stars. It means a lot to us if you can. And please share your this podcast with all friends and family and all UCF alumni. 
Thank you, Night Nation. Go Knights. Charge on.